I'm starting a new series this morning called The House. We're not talking about your house or my house. We're going to talk about God's house. And this has been incubating on the inside of me for several months. And God's been speaking to me and stirring in me. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to move some dirt. We're going to build some forms. And we're going to pour some concrete. We're going to lay some foundation this morning that I want to make sure that you as a New Testament Christian understand as we move into talking about God's house and what God's doing. So that's what I'm going to do this morning. God has so been stirring in me about our level of expectation when we come in this place. Okay, Benjamin, and I've said this for years, Benjamin Franklin always said, he that expects little will not be disappointed. Okay, when you come in this place, what are your expectations? And this is a house of miracles. This is a house of mercy. This is a house of deliverance. But if you don't come expecting or needing any of that, then you you leave with nothing. So that's where we're going to start. I'm going to read a story to you out of the Old Testament. We're going to go all the way back to Genesis 28. And I'm going to read you a story about Jacob. God picked Abraham. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. And out of those three men, out of that lintage, he created and birthed the nation of Israel. Then out of Israel, he brought Jesus, who, of course, is the Savior of the world. So Jacob has left to go on a trip. He's in the desert, okay? He's on a journey. And we're going to begin in Genesis 28, verse 10. Let me read. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I want to read you this story, then I'm going to go back and show you some amazing things in it and how they apply to you and I today. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he laid down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west, to the east, to the north, and to the south. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. There's none other. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he'd placed under his head. He set it upon a pillar. He poured oil on top of it, and he called the place Bethel. The word Bethel means house of God. Through the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you 
a tenth. Now let me scroll back down. He has a dream. And in a dream, God gives him a vision and he sees a stairway. Uh, In children's ministry, it's called Jacob's Ladder. And he sees this ladder from heaven to the earth. And he sees angels coming down and angels going up. And then he sees God standing at the top. And God speaks to him. And here's what God says to him. He says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to keep my word. I'm going to do in your life what I told your grandfather I would do. And out of your lintage, out of your nation, it will be as many as the dust of the earth. Now stop right there. That promise has been fulfilled. You and I are the fulfillment of that promise. Every born-again Christian on earth is the fulfillment of that promise. He said, your seed will bless the earth. And of course, that seed is Jesus. Jesus came out of the nation of Israel. And every single person that knows Jesus Christ as their Savior is the seed of Abraham. And we are like dust covering the earth. That promise has been fulfilled. Not every other promise has been fulfilled. But he tells him, I'm going to take care of you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to bless you. Then Jacob says this. He says, the Lord was surely in this place. Now he's out in the desert. He's camping out in the desert. And he's a pretty bad hombre because he uses a rock for a pillow. Right? Anybody slept on a rock last night? Yeah. Yeah, he uses a rock for a pillow. And, he, and I love this. He says, the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. See, a lot of times, you're on your journey, you're in the desert, you're sleeping on a rock, and you think God has forgotten you, you think God has forsaken you, but he has not forgotten you, he has not forsaken you, and I can tell you, wherever you are, he is there. Because Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And that's his promise. The next thing he said is, he said, this place is awesome. This place is awesome. Now, here's what I want you to understand. We're the church. We're the house of God. And this place is awesome. This place is awesome. Then the next thing he says is, this is surely the house of God. <clears throat> now, of course, he's in the wilderness. There's no building there. He, he's not, there's, they're not having church. He's having this encounter with God. And he says, this is the house of God. This must be the gateway to heaven. Now, now don't miss this. He has an encounter with the living God. God wants to have an encounter with you. And when he has an encounter with you, you're going to say the same thing he did. The Lord is surely in this place. How awesome it is. And God is taking care of me. Then here's what he does. He takes that rock that was his pillow and he makes an altar. And he lays that stone down and he pours oil on it. And that represents the Holy Spirit. 
Right here in Toya Christian Fellowship, you can come up for prayer, and we have anointing oil, and we'll anoint you with oil, which represents the Holy Spirit, and we'll pray over you any time that you need it. He does the very same thing. He takes a rock, and he pours out oil on this rock, and he says, this is Bethel. This is the house of God. Then something amazing happens. He says, because God has given me promises... Now listen, God has given every one of you promises. The word of God is full of them. He's giving you corporate promises. He's giving you personal promises. He says, because God has given me promises, because God has said, I'm going to take care of you. Now don't miss this, folks. He's not saying it just to Jacob. He's saying it to us this morning. God has given you great and precious promises, and God has said, I'm going to take care of you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you, and I'm going to fulfill in your life, in your family, in your children, in your grandchildren, everything I said I'm going to do. And he said in the New Testament to not grow weary, get a bulldog hold on it, and don't let go. Because he said, I'm going to do it. Jacob said, because God says that, I'm going to make my father's God my God. I want to jump off the stage and run around the room. I don't want you to miss this. I know so many Christians who have never made that transition They've never made their Mimaw's God their God. They've never made their parents' God their God. They're still running on the coattails of somebody else spiritually. And he has an encounter with God, and he says, I'm going to make my father's God my God. He's not running behind somebody else. Are you with me? He's not following somebody else. Listen, I know people who won't come to church here because their grandma wouldn't like it. Seriously, you do too, okay? They've never made God their God. They're still running on what grandma said. They're still running on what mom said or what dad said. This is a huge, huge, huge transition in your life. And you know this morning if you've done it, or you haven't done it. Kurt and I were having lunch one day in Lubbock with Jeremy Sutton. He has spoken here. He's a pastor in Midland, Texas at Lifehouse Fellowship. And every Sunday morning, I pray for him and his staff and his church. And he and Kurt and I were having lunch, and he looked at Kurt, and he said, are you in the ministry because your daddy's a preacher or because you're called? That's a watershed moment. That's a watershed moment in a preacher's life. Are you in the ministry because your daddy is? You know, I've told Kurt, thank God I wasn't a plumber. Amen? <clears throat> Amen? And so Kurt had to go through that. He and Megan had to go through that journey where they had to decide, is this what God's called us to do? I had a pastor friend tell me one time, he said, the worst thing you will ever do to your son is get him in the ministry and he's not called. That'll be the worst thing you ever do to him. So he had to make my God his God. Now, there's a story in the Old Testament about Gideon. And Gideon grew up in a family that served God, but the dad got weary 
They lived in a foreign land, and the dad took on the gods of that nation, and he became an idol worshiper. And primarily how they did it was they built totem poles. Everybody in here knows what a totem pole is. That's not what it's called in the Old Testament, but that's basically what it was. And if you know anything about Gideon, Gideon cut down his dad's totem poles one night as he had an encounter with God, a lot like Jacob had an encounter with God. He cut down his dad's totem poles. He cut them into firewood. He went and got his dad's best bull. They were in agriculture. And if you know anything about agriculture, your bull is your future. And he didn't get the old skinny bull. He didn't get the old cancer-eyed cow. He got the best bull his dad had at night. And he killed it, butchered it, built a fire with his dad's false gods, and sacrificed the bull. And when they got up the next morning, they said, we're going to kill you. Anybody knows if you sacrificed your daddy's best bull, your God better be alive. Amen. He better be alive because that's exactly what your daddy would say to you. I'm going to kill you. But here's what he did. He refused to serve his father's gods. Now don't miss this. I'm making two separate points. Okay, if you've been blessed enough to have a Christian home, if you've been blessed enough to have a mom and dad that love Jesus, my, my advice to you this morning is make your daddy's God or your granddad's God or your mom's God your God. Listen, if there's anybody in your life you want to please more than Jesus, you're an idol worshiper. If you're, what you're, if you're still trying to please your daddy, whether he's living or dead, or your mother, or your aunt, or whoever it is in your life, whoever you've got on the throne besides Jesus, whoever you're trying to please, and they've been dead for 10 years, you're nothing but an idol worshiper. <clears throat> you've got to dethrone that person off there and put Jesus there. Okay. But if you weren't lucky enough to have a Christian parent, or maybe you had a Christian parent. I know lots of Christian parents who are still idol worshipers. What what do you mean, Pastor? Well, they worship money. They worship success. They worship fame. They worship their good name. uh, They worship all kinds of stuff. Okay, Gideon said, I refuse to follow my father's false gods. So whether you're Jacob and you've got to make God your own or you're Gideon and you have to make God your own. I refuse to follow my father, my mother, my uncle, whoever it is. I'm putting Jesus on the throne of my heart. And Jacob said, I'm going to make my father's God my God. Then here's what he says next. He says, and I'm going to be a giver. That's the next thing he says. I'm going to, now listen, don't talk. Ah! Let's just dismiss. I don't even want to tell you. Listen, you'll never give in church if you're serving your father's God. Oh, you might tip. You'll tip, but you won't give. See, until you make God your God, until he becomes your father, until he becomes your savior, until he becomes your confidant, until he becomes who you're following and who you want to love and who you're willing to give up everything for, you'll never be a giver. One person clapped. My gosh. Amen. But once you cross that line and you say, hey, 
You know, Joe McGee years ago told a story about how, you know, when you're following your parents, God, they're in an 18-wheeler, and they're driving down the highway about 80, and you're behind them in your Prius. Right? And, and that 18-wheeler cuts the wind. Right? And then they decide they're going to pull out and pass. The only problem is, is they hit an 80-mile-an-hour headwind. And so they kind of just get back in behind. Now, th- don't get me wrong. There's a season for that. There is a season for that. But then there comes a day in your life where you have to decide, I'm going to follow God because I want to follow God. I met with a man that used to go to church here years ago. And his father had passed away. And he told me, hey, we love church and everything, but we were only here because of dad. Okay, see you later. Uh, That person had never made God their God. Right? Now, I'm not saying don't esteem your parents. I'm not saying don't love your parents. I'm not saying don't respect your parents. The Bible, the the first commandment with promises is to obey your mother and father. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, is you gotta make that transition. You have to decide, I'm not gonna worship at my father's false altar anymore, and I'm not gonna worship my father's God. I want my God. All right, now remember what I said in the beginning this morning? Pastor, what in the world are you doing? Well, we're pouring concrete. Jacob took a stone and he said it and he poured oil on it. And he said, this is the house of God. You're setting on the stone that we poured and we poured oil on it. It's called the foundation. It's called the concrete under this carpet. We poured this concrete right here however many years ago, and then we got anointing oil, and we all got in a circle on this concrete. There was about 80 of us. I didn't have any idea how we were going to fill this building up. I was so mad at myself. I'm mad at myself now that we didn't build it twice as bad. (laughs) Kurt's mad at me. I'm mad at me. But at the time, it was the cathedral of heaven. Amen? How are we going to fill this thing up? And we poured oil on it just like Jacob did. And here's what we did. We designated this building the house of God. Now, Greg and I have joked over the years, you could knock this wall out and this would make a pretty decent hay barn. I I mean, right, we could use this for a lot of things. Okay, these buildings could be used for a lot of things. But you see, we designated it the house of God. We anointed it with oil. We prayed over it all those years ago, and we designated it the house of God. Now, listen to me. You're the body of Christ. The body of Christ is in three places. There's a whole bunch of us in heaven. Lance has got a bunch in heaven. I got a bunch in heaven. How many of you have somebody you know and love, and they're in heaven this morning? Everybody. Yeah, everybody. All right, now they're not there because they're church members. Now, now grab your, reach down and get a hold of your seat. There's not one single Baptist in heaven. There's not one single Catholic in heaven. There's not one single Methodist in heaven. There's not one single Presbyterian in heaven. What in the world are you saying? The only people that are in heaven are the blood-bought, the redeemed. The saved. How do you get to heaven? You know Jesus is your Savior. And whatever title you're carrying is either going to burn off going down or blow off going up. You're not going to get to heaven and go, oh, where are the Baptists? Because they're going to say there's none of those here. There's only the redeemed. 
Amen? Only the redeemed. So there's a whole bunch of us. My mom's there. My dad's there. My brother's there. And I'm madder than thunder that they're there. Because they need to be here, right? Everybody's got somebody. Then the second thing is we're all here on the earth. So there's a bunch of us in heaven and there's a bunch of us here on the earth. We're the body of Christ. I'm not talking about church members. I'm talking about born again Christians. The day's going to come. We're going to all be together. Jesus said, when all things are renewed, when all things are made right, we're all going to get together and we're going to have a huge party. For seven years, we're going to have this huge party. And then we're going to be together for all of eternity. And we're going to do different things, different places, but we're all going to be together. The third place they are is we're right here this morning. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you and I are the church. We are the body of Christ. We're the local body. Listen, if you go to Tulia Christian Fellowship, then you're a part of a local body of believers. Okay, God has sent us here on a mission. He didn't send us here to to get stuff. He sent us here to be on a mission, to reach people, to love people, to minister to kids, to minister to teenagers, to help people get saved, to help people stay married. We're all on a mission. So we're in heaven, we're on earth, and then we're a local body. And there are other local bodies in this county, this community, this area, right? And we're all doing good things for God to the best of God's grace and the best of our ability. Listen to me. We don't go to church. We are the church. And when you leave this place, you're supposed to take God's grace, God's strength, God's love with you. Now, the next thing I want to do this morning, and I'm out of time almost, but i got to read you two verses, is I want to bring you out of the old covenant into the new covenant. I know you know this, but I need to tell you, God does not live in this building. He don't live here. If he did, he needs to put it in a fireplace and a big screen. I mean, come on, right? He meets us here. All right, let me read you two verses. I want to read to you Acts 7, 48. Acts 7, 48. Listen to what this says. Acts 7, 48 says, However, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What kind of house would you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? Now, I just want to clear something up. I don't know if most of you understand this. We don't come here, and this is where God is, and this is the only place we can meet with him because that's not what the Bible teaches We didn't build a house to house God. The children of Israel wanted to build a temple to house God. Okay, the Bible says very plainly right there in the New Testament, I love that. God says, heaven's my throne and the earth's my footstool. What kind of house would you build for me? It wouldn't work, right? But, 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 we anointed this with oil and we've consecrated it to God and we've declared this where we're going to meet with him. Does he meet with me other places? Absolutely he does. But on Sunday morning, we show up in this place and the promise in the Bible is if two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst and God meets with us here at his house. And this is a house of mercy. This is a house of grace. This is a house of healing. Let me read you another verse. 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, 
Don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Listen, if you know Jesus as your Savior, the New Testament teaches the living God dwells on the inside of you. He doesn't dwell in a building anymore. He doesn't dwell in a temple anymore. You don't meet God in a temple somewhere. He moved out of the temple and he moved into us. He meets us here, but he goes with us everywhere we go. He's in us. Amen? All right, now let me finish that verse. It says, don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, talking about your body, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. Listen, God says your body is sacred and, the, and you together are that temple. Listen, can I just say something to you? <clears throat> it does matter what you do with your body. I said it does matter what you do with your body. It does matter. It does matter. Stop making excuses for your flesh. Stop. It does matter. By God's grace, it matters. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We've gathered this morning in God's house. Now, I don't have time to even get into my first point about God's house. All we did this morning was move some dirt, put some forms down, and pour some concrete. Next week, we're going to start building on that foundation that you and I are the body of Christ and that we gather together in this place and we've consecrated this place as holy. We've consecrated this place as righteous. And God said, if you'll gather together, I'll meet with you there. God said, if you'll build me an altar, I'll meet with you there. My next point that I don't have time to do this morning is this is a house of mercy. Listen, this is a house of mercy. And when you come in here, you can find mercy for whatever you need. This is a house of mercy, not a house of judgment, not a house of ridicule, not a house of condemnation, but a house of of mercy. Close your eyes and let me pray for you. Father God, I want to thank you this morning that this is your house. Lord, we know you don't live here. You live in us. But you promised that if we would take time together, if we would take time weekly to meet with you, you would be in our midst. And one of the things you bring is mercy. Father, I pray that this morning. Lord, as I get into that next week, Lord, that you are a God of mercy. You're a Father of mercy. And Lord, I pray mercy over us today. Mercy, mercy, mercy over our lives, mercy over our families, mercy. Father, I'm thankful for it. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Praise God.